0: God, praise Has anybody got victory in the house of the Lord does anybody have victory in the house of the Lord somebody give him praise Hallelujah! you want to let hell know you don't stand a chance devil I've got victory in Jesus hallelujah somebody give a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory all across this building Come on, I feel something breaking. If you need something from God, you can have it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. One more time in Jesus' name. Amen. It feels like church in here. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated all across the building. Amen so grateful for what we feel on a midweek bible study he been thankful that god moves and you know god moves he's always moving god is in a perpetual state of movement first thing we see god doing in the bible is god is moving and uh, and so god moves on dark situations deep situations and god makes a change in them however uh, you will find that it is often The people of God that will cause the Lord to move in specific ways. And so it is those moments when Jesus is moving. He's passing by. But it was the crying out of Bartimaeus that caused Jesus to stop in his tracks. Amen. There is something about that. That is God is moving. We have the, uh, the ability because God's heart is towards us that we can reach out to him. And in these moments, even on these Bible study nights, we can reach out to God and God will stop whatever he's doing and start moving in a specific way in us. Are you thankful for that here tonight? (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Well, we're going to head back into our Bible study tonight, but I got a couple questions uh, that were put in the box. Um, We are we are getting through some uh, some questions that people have. And, you know, I think the, the benefit of this is that people are able to ask questions they otherwise might not ask um and so uh these ones i'm going to answer quickly somebody asked the question uh you know what what does it mean when a man of god prays for you is it from the man or is it from god and uh, not quite on topic but that's okay because that's a question somebody has and in bible study you'll often have people ask questions and it's best to if you can if it's a quick answer give them the quick one and then you can come back for a longer answer or longer bible study at another time but Answer people where they are. They might have a question about something specific. You want to answer people where they are. I'm not just teaching you this Bible. So hopefully in the process of this, I'm teaching you how to teach other people. And so um, that, that's a good question. What does it mean? Well, um, typically when I pray for somebody, uh, it is it is it is that. I am a man. I might be a man of God, but I am a man. So I'm going to go by and I'm going to pray for somebody as a man. I can't pray any other way. Um, but there are those moments where there is a spiritual impartation that happens from God. And the Bible is very specific, and at another time we might get into a Bible study about the laying on of hands. The Bible talks about in Hebrews that there is a doctrine of laying on of hands. And so this is a biblical thing, and our world, especially in our Western society, we've lost the art of physical contact, and we don't, we don't understand that anymore. We like to just wave, and I understand there's a, there's a part of that we do, Uh, But there is there is a blessing that you're going to find even as we study through the Bible that it only came by the laying on of hands. You will find this with with Israel or formerly known as as the artist formerly known as Jacob, where he switched his hand and he prayed for the sons of Joseph and he laid his hands on them. And any time a blessing was coming forth, there had to be a physical contact. You'll also find this as we study the 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 biblical model of Old Testament sacrifice that there was a transference that happened from one goat as they laid hands on the sacrifice. The individual that had sinned laid hands on the sacrifice as if to transfer their sin to the sacrifice. Obviously, that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But there was something about that physical contact, if nothing more than just being a representation of what was happening. uh, it, It was important. But in a biblical context, especially in the New Testament, we are commanded to lay hands on people. In fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. But the next verse says, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There is a laying on of hands that when you pray for somebody, you lay hands on them. In fact, you don't just have to wait for church. If somebody tells you they're sick, be like the Bible says to lay hands on you and to pray for you. Obviously, you've got to do it with an appropriate, we'll talk about that, i Walter working at another time, but you have to do it appropriately. And when you lay hands on it, what you're doing is you're praying the Lord to bless them and to heal them. Uh, James chapter five says, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil and pray for them. And the, the Bible says the Lord shall raise them up. So there's this element of laying on of hands. There are times when people receive the Holy Ghost because somebody laid hands on them. So there's a spiritual impartation. So is it from the man or is it from God? Both. Both. There are times when I'm praying for somebody, it's me praying. But when the Holy Ghost starts moving through an individual, all of a sudden God will start touching and working in areas that neither uh, party understands is happening. Everybody said amen. Amen. Next question I got, uh, this is, they said not exactly on topic, uh, but it will be on topic. So I will answer this further as we get into the Bible. But the question was, Why did God choose Israel and the Hebrew people? And uh, I'll answer that very quickly, but we will answer that when we get to Abraham. Uh, It is not because God loves uh, Jewish people more than other people. It's not because God liked certain ethnicity better than other ethnicities. That is to dispel this idea that the Jewish people were better than everybody else. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. God said, I didn't choose you because you are a great people. I didn't, choose, I didn't choose, you because, choose you because you were of great number. He so said, I chose you because you were the least. In fact, the Jewish nation started with Abraham, Abram, who, who, who did not have a child, and an entire nation was going to come from them. In other words, for there to be a nation of Israel, there had to be the intervention of God. So if you want my personal opinion, it was because it needed a miracle. It wasn't that it was already a nation that was thriving and happening. It was a nation that was yet to be born that this nation was going to come from the concept of a spiritual uh, interaction, from a spiritual birth, which is a typology of the New Testament church. We didn't just show up one day. We were born into this kingdom. And we weren't born into this kingdom by the will of man. We were born into this kingdom because God made a miracle called salvation for us. The nation of Israel started with a miraculous birth, jesus came into the world through a miraculous birth and we come into the kingdom through a miraculous birth and everybody said amen, amen. all right getting into our bible study we're going to continue on uh and uh, i'm going to recap real quickly uh over this hey, amen if i can get that moved in it doesn't really matter it's just more for visual there we go well we're one too far right, praise god we're not quite there hey there we go no we're still not there we're getting there i like this bible study because we're going real slow brother. Just move us back to the first slide please Okay, so we're going to recap lesson seven. After, after man's spirit died, sin in the garden, sin entered into the world, and the Bible says death by sin. And, uh, and so we're going to keep going back, brother, if you can move us back. Amen. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Amen. God is now speaking to mankind through their conscience. There's no longer that direct connection, that interaction between God and man. He's now using the conscience. It's that little voice that everybody's got in the back of your head. Now, some of y'all, that little voice has become less than a whisper. That is the searing of the conscience. But through the power of the Holy Ghost, God will reinvigorate your conscience, and it will become a loud, booming voice in your life. And so because of the Genesis 3.15 prophecy, which says that the seed of the woman is going to come forth and crush the head of the serpent, uh, that there is a there is a an idea where everybody from the devil to mankind is looking for their Messiah. They're looking for their Savior, and uh, and as Adam and Eve go forth and they obey God, they are fruitful and they begin to multiply. And first, the first men we see is Cain and Abel. We talked about this last week, and no doubt Adam teaches his sons. The proper sacrifice and we found that they both brought a sacrifice but God was not pleased with Cain's sacrifice because Cain did not offer what was first he offered what he thought was best secondly Cain did not offer blood which was which was the way that God wanted sacrifice in other words Cain brought what he thought was best and Cain brought what he thought was right but the sacrifice that God looks for is obedience Not obedience to our thoughts, but obedience to his word. It's not what I think is right that matters. It's what God says is right that matters. This is why it's so important for us to study the word of God. Because none of us will know what God thinks is right if we don't know his word. We we will just be shooting in the dark. We'll have no clue. And, And then salvation for us becomes a hope. But ultimately it's not a hope. It, it just becomes this, This we, we just. I hope we get there. That's what our world's doing right now. I just expect that I'm going to die and end up in heaven. That's not how this thing works. It starts with obedience to God's word, but you can't be obedient to something you don't know. So Cain, uh, he offered a sacrifice God did not accept, and he got angry, not at himself, not at the fact that he wasn't doing right. He got mad at God, and he got mad at his brother listen this is more than just a biblical tale you are seeing humanity in a nutshell that when we don't do right we get mad at god and we get mad at one another when we start thinking that our way should be good enough we fall into moral relativity where my good is dependent on your bad and if you are better than me i have to tear you down because that's the only way i'm going to get ahead unfortunately that is the folly of man, and Cain let his bitterness take over, and it took his heart over, and it started to sear his conscience. And God even came down, and this is where God is working through the conscience. He speaks to speaks to Cain. He says, "Cain, if you do right, it's going to be okay. But if you're not doing right, sin is crouching like a lion, ready to attack you, and it will rule over you." And Cain gives in to sin, he gives into the temptation of bitterness and anger. And while he's in the field with his brother, he kills his brother. And here we see the first murder and the first victim in the Bible. He has now become, and again, I said this last week, but imagine Adam and Eve when they thought, man, this is just a, this is just us eating a little fruit. What's the problem? What's the big deal? And I preached about it a little bit on Sunday. We we're asking the question, well, what does it matter? It matters because there's more than just you and I that are affected by our sins. And this is why it's 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 more than just you missing out on. It's more than just you and I going to hell. It's, we're not we're not cons- if you're just concerned with not going to hell. I I think you're gonna have a harder time living for God. There there is so much more than just not sinning so you can make it to heaven. That's not what this is about. First and foremost, when we sin, it breaks relationship with God. Number two, when we sin, it breaks and it damages relationship with one another, and it goes down the line. And sin does not stay one little thing. It multiplies. In fact, uh, we'll get into this. I'll talk about this right now. Cain's descendants. He's got a descendant that comes from him. And Cain was the first murderer in the Bible. But do you know who the second murderer in the Bible was? One of, Cain, one of Cain's grandkids. Because what one generation does, it will multiply. And it will become a social norm. So now you have a lineage of people that are committing murder. All because one thought, what's the big deal? Adam and Eve thought it's not a big deal. They bit and they took of the apple or the fruit uh, the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and their son became a murderer. And then his grandkids became murderers. And there's a whole host of this we'll get into when we finally get, uh, we start getting to Noah. It, the whole world becomes wicked. Sin multiplies. One of, the, one of the biggest reasons to pray and repent from sin, because sin multiplies you got to get washed from sin because sin multiplies. Everybody said amen. So he kills his brother in anger. And how did God know that? Well, aside from him being all-knowing, but what does the Bible say? God, God knew that his brother had been killed. Why? Because the blood would, of Abel cried out from the ground. It was a witness to the murder. And, the, and we ended last week talking about Jesus' blood speaks better things than that of Abel. Because even though Cain killed his brother, the blood testified and said, God avenge me. But the Bible speaks of the blood of Jesus when you have been when you've repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the blood of Jesus speaks and cries out. It doesn't matter what your past says. It, it can cry out and say, You're a sinner, you're a slug. It don't matter what it says. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, the Bible says all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And now the blood of Jesus cries out. You'll find an example of this in the book of Zechariah. It shows the prophet uh, Joshua that goes before the, the Lord, and he's in filthy garments. He's dirty. And the devil shows up to accuse him and says he's dirty, he's filthy, he needs to be condemned. But then the Lord speaks out and says, change that garment and clean him up and give him new garments. And it did not matter what the enemy had said. God changed the garments and God made him new. And now the enemy couldn't say anything else. There were no more accusations. And that is exactly what happens at baptism. You change garments. And now the old man where you should die, where you deserve death, has been washed in the blood of Jesus. And when the enemy, the avenger of blood, comes looking for you, to condemn you of your sins, the blood of Jesus cries out and says his sin has been paid for. The blood of Jesus cries out they are redeemed. The blood of Jesus cries out they are forgiven. The blood of Jesus says they are washed and everybody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Genesis chapter 4 and verse 11. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 11. So now Cain has become a murderer. He didn't listen to God. He didn't listen to his conscience. He gave into his bitterness, and now he's a murderer. Sin has taken its full course, and it has caused a break in relationship with God and ultimately a break in relationship with his brother. And God speaks to him and says, You are cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond you will be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. We find here that there is a curse pronounced again, another judgment. Sin, we're seeing a a constant theme that when there's sin, there is judgment that is passed upon the individual. And Cain is cursed. No longer, he's he's no longer able to get easy production from the already cursed earth. I want you to notice this. God already cursed the earth where it would be hard to produce something. But now Cain has got an even greater curse. That even the cursed earth that would yield a little bit for you, it's not going to, it's not going to bless you. There is a lesson in this that when we sin. We, 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 we lose out on the favor that we would have received. And even in the midst of the curse on the earth, he could have received some level, and he had received some level of provision, but now there's no provision for him. He's now cursed, and the ground itself is cursed from him. He's no longer able to plant a field and be stationary. This is why he says now, because of this, you're going to be a wanderer and a vagabond you're not going to have a stationary place you're not going to have a place that you can call home you're going to constantly go from place to place looking for greener pastures and looking for a field that'll produce better but everywhere you go it's not going to yield to you and even if you show up and it's a beautiful vineyard when you put your hands to it it's going to wither up and it's going to die and you're going to leave one place to another to another now he's he's not only uh, an enemy of god through his sin But now he's an enemy of the earth. He's a fugitive and a wanderer, a vagabond, the Bible says. Amen. I want to just say this. From the very beginning, Cain refused to do the right thing. And then sin came to his door, and it desired him. And he let the door open, and sin came in. He murdered his brother, and then God judged him. And I want you to notice what happens in the middle of this judgment. All Cain could do was complain about the judgment of God. Does anybody else notice that? God, I want you to think about the circumstance for a minute. He has committed intentional murder of his brother. This was, I, I guarantee this was not one of those oops. No, he did this. It was premeditated murder. He went into the same field as his brother, no doubt had a tool with him or had a rock with him, was prepared when his brother did not notice it was going to happen. Premeditated murder. He kills his brother, and now the judgment of God is about to fall on him, and God is pronouncing judgment, and all he can say is, it's not fair. Does that sound like our world? God is mean. Uh, no loving God would ever send anybody to hell. You ever heard that? There's no way. It is us, just like Cain, in our unredeemed form, looking to heaven and saying, I don't need to repent. I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're the one that needs to change, God your judgment's not fair your your word is not fair your ways are not right you should let me do whatever i want and get away with it with no consequences anybody ever been there felt like that i felt like that a few a few times god just let me do whatever i want without consequences but sin always has consequences it always has consequences and i want you to notice the mindset of cain he doesn't even consider what he did to his brother Think about his conscience for a moment. His conscience is not concerned with what he did wrong. His conscience is not concerned with the the murder of his own brother. All he can think about is himself. What he has to go through. All All he can do is complain that he was being unjustly judged. He still refused to acknowledge his sin and repent. He did wrong, but he still doesn't want to admit he did wrong. In fact, when God called him out and says, where's your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? I don't, do I look like a shepherd? He just, another, another tag on his brother. And God comes down to judge him. And now judgment's falling in on his life. And you think he would drop to his knees and say, God, let his conscience work. But this is what happens when you let your conscience get seared. Now, you don't think about the wrong you've done. And furthermore, let me say this. When we have a seared conscience, we don't think about the sins we've committed or the wrong we've done. And you know what else we don't think about? The people we perpetrated our sins against. When we have a seared conscience, you know the only thing we can think about? Is ourselves. This is why the Bible says in the last days, they shall be lovers of their own selves. Because when we sear our conscience, I don't care about you. You know, that conscience will tell you, and let me just say this. We'll get into the gifts of the Spirit eventually. I've been wanting to do it for many years, but it just hadn't failed to get to it. But you know, when the Bible talks about the discerning of spirits, everybody's like, oh, man, I got that gift. I can discern everybody else's spirit. And they walk into Walmart, and they're like, that person has a devil. And that person, that person walks in church, there's something wrong with that person. And I could tell this person was troubled. But it's interesting to me, the people that always claim discerning of spirits can never discern their own spirit. And that's a sign of a seared conscience. Cain couldn't even discern his own spirit, that there was something wrong in him. And I want to tell you, the first avenue that God comes when God brings the word to us, that word is always for you first. Amen. When you come to church, when I come to church, before I ever preach a message to you, that word was for me first. And I've got to get that. I've got to make sure that word gets in me first. And when I'm praying, amen, I'll go to pray for somebody. i got to make sure my spirit's right because I, I don't want to pray for you and be in the wrong spirit. And Cain is in this place where his conscience is so seared he no longer cares what God has to say. He doesn't care anything about his brother. He's still so bitter about what that that God would accept his brother's sacrifice over his own that now he's killed his brother and he don't care about it. And he's done wrong, and he doesn't care. And this is humanity in a nutshell. The only time he cares about anything is when he has to face the music. You know, when somebody is repentant, you know, I can usually tell uh, when somebody's repentant. Now, there's people can repent at any point. Don't misunderstand me. But I can always tell when somebody's really repentant on what happens between their sin and the judgment that falls. What I mean by that is there is the individual that sins and they try to cover it up. And then when they get caught, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and God will accept that repentance too. But there's a difference between that person that has sinned and they can't even make it all the way to judgment. They're just like, I got it. Something's wrong. You could tell their conscience is working on them. And they repent before before they get found out. In fact, there I, I, there are people that when they make a mistake, I want to tell you the, one of the most cleansing things you can ever do for your conscience when you sin is repent immediately. Amen. Repent immediately. Uh, let me also say this. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Does that mean? Now, there's old school churches and in fact there's some elders that went to a church like that they used to have confession services forget testimony services we're gonna have confession service stand up and tell us what you've done brother no i don't i don't i honestly i don't want to hear it (laughs) there's one mediator between god and men and that's the man christ jesus um and and i've already heard enough as a pastor it nothing to shock me at this point but uh but you know this this is a the, the bible says that we are to confess our faults one to another. When you've done something wrong, don't wait to be found out. Go tell the person that you've done wrong against. Confess it to them. It'll help cleanse your conscience. In fact, uh, maybe it's not done against them, but you know it's done against your own self and it's done against God. One of the best things you can do is don't wait to church to get to church to repent. Don't wait for an altar call. Don't wait for a preacher. I, I remember times where I was, I was doing wrong. I knew I was doing wrong. I knew I wasn't living right. I didn't wait for church. I just turned my bedroom into an altar call and I started repenting and saying, God, would you forgive me? I want to tell you confession is one of the most beautiful things that you can ever do for your conscience it is one of the most cleansing things you can do for your conscience because now the devil can't use it against you anymore. He can't say, well, you did this when nobody was watching. No, I already confessed that. I already brought it out into the light. And anybody that beat me up for that, they're wrong, not me. Anybody that take me down and beat me over what I've done wrong when I've already confessed it to them, they're in the wrong, not me. So the best thing you can do for your conscience is just get it out there and repent over it. But Cain didn't want to repent. Cain didn't want to change anything. Cain didn't want to change his spirit. Cain didn't want anything to change in his life except for the consequences of sin. And there are people that they will look up towards heaven after they've done, got away with everything they've got away with, and you know what? They will say nine times out of ten, it's not fair. You know the the person that's in jail right now. They, everybody in jail is 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 innocent. <laughs> they, they, well, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I don't know why. We got some folks that worked in the prison. You know what I'm talking about. They, they, well, I'm innocent. Everybody's innocent because they don't want to accept. It's the spirit of Cain. If you've done wrong, let me just say this, because this is really good for every one of us. If you've done wrong, admit it, especially when you're called out on it. It is very cleansing for the soul to just say, "Yeah, I did," instead of saying, "Well, no." It, you go do the Adam and Eve thing. You do the blame game. Well, it's their fault, and if it wasn't these circumstances. Uh, when somebody calls you out on something, especially in the church, let me just say this from the pastoral perspective, because I've dealt with people and I try to correct people and I can always tell when somebody's not leadable and teachable because when I go to correct them, they deflect because they think I'm attacking them when the truth is I'm trying to lead them, trying to teach them. The best thing you could do is say, you're right, you're right, that was wrong, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have been there, and and in that moment, that is a great opportunity for you to cleanse your conscience and to start over and to get it right. And everybody said amen. So he's, he's upset about the consequences, and he's not wanting to repent, but that is what we need to repent of. We need to just take it straight to God. And the Bible says God cursed him to be a vagabond and wanderer. I don't have time to get into this today, but I do have to tell us that it is a curse to be a wanderer. It is a curse to not have your roots down. I want to speak to everybody, and I'll do it as slow as possible. It is a curse to not have roots. I'll, and I'll, I'll say this because Brother D has told me that, that Nevada is one of the number one transient states in the Union. I want to tell you how we're going to beat that spirit in this city. Put your roots down. Put your roots down in this area, put your roots down in this church, put your roots down in this altar. I'll float in when it's good and I'll float in when it's I'll float out when it's bad. That's what Cain did. When the pickings are good, when harvest time is ready, I'll fly in. And then when things aren't going so good, I'll fly, I'll fly out. And there are people, it happens, and everybody that's been in this church even longer than me. You've seen it a million times. It'll keep happening. Why? Because we're fighting a spirit. But I want you to be aware of the spirit we're fighting. We're fighting a transient spirit. People are gonna move here, they're gonna move away. People are gonna come to church, they're gonna stop coming to church. Don't let that, don't let that make you uh sway in any way. You just put your roots down because it is a curse to be a wanderer. The devil is a wonder the bible says he walks about seeking uh whom he may devour he's going back to and fro through the earth amen job says he said satan where have you been he said i've been walking around in the earth because satan doesn't have a place to call home this is why he tries to possess people Amen. because he wants to find a place where he can put his roots down but he's a wonder i want to speak to every person that's desiring to be a christian you must get your roots put down in jesus no philosophy is going to get me to go away. Nobody's going to offend me out of the church. No, nothing. Jesus told this to us in a parable. He said that the word of God's like a seed and it's planted. But you notice the difference between all of them. There's different soil conditions of the heart. But the number one problem in in all of the other ones is their roots. One had no depth of earth. And so when it, it got excited for a minute, and you're going to see that, and we've already seen that. People, they come into church and they get super excited. I, I don't get excited when people get super excited at the beginning. I'm not saying you shouldn't get excited. I'm not trying to uh, be a wet blanket, but I don't, that doesn't get me excited because it's not just getting them in the tank and praying them through the Holy Ghost. We need that. That's necessary. But I want to see them discipled. I want to see them in Bible study. I I want to see if they'll make it to Tuesday night prayer. That because it's that kind of stuff where they start putting their roots down. And I want to I want to speak to everybody in this building. You got to you got to let the word of God not just spring up in your heart where I preach something exciting, but you got to let that word get deeper and it's got to break through the hardness and it's got to If you got roots, if you got roots, it'll get through the rocky place. If you get roots, it'll get through the wayside. Amen, where there's, where there's hardened topsoil if you, and the birds of the air can't get to you. Why? Because you got roots real quick. Birds are looking for the seeds, but if you can quickly get those roots down, the birds aren't going to be able to take you out of the way. And the Bible says the devil's like a bird. And, and, and furthermore, if you can get your roots down, that, that means that these weeds that try to grow around you, you just got to keep growing deeper than the weeds' roots. And you got to get down to the well, and you got to get down to the water source. And, but if you don't have roots you will be a vagabond and a wanderer. And if I don't say anything else in this Bible study, you've got to hear me. You will not be saved if you're a wanderer. I, I have noticed this. People that transfer from church to church to church, they become like a dwarf tree. They only grow to a certain height because they're they're potted. They're not planted. And when you are potted, and all my all my green thumbs in the house of the Lord, you know what it is. You got those plants in your house. I got some plants in my house. They're potted. And, man, they fit real good in the bathroom. But I would never want to take my peach tree I planted last year and put it in my bathroom because that thing has just sprung up and gone everywhere. And that's the difference. Some people are so frustrated. I I don't know why I'm on this, but I feel it. Um, Some people are so frustrated in their walk with God because why am I not growing? And why am I not this? And why is this not happening? I'll tell you why. Because you chose the pot. Some of y'all literally chose pot. Praise God. But somebody chose the pot, and somebody chose to be planted. And you can start in the pot, but don't stay in the pot. You've got to get out of it, and you got to put yourself in the ground. And, and here's, here's the key. There are times when God will move somebody from one church to another and from one city to another. That happens. That happens. But when you are planning, you got your roots down, you don't pluck yourself up. God must pluck you up, and God's got to pull you out. And if God didn't call my wife and I here, I wouldn't be here. Because I'm not going to be a potted plant that just goes in a potted plant. You can move it from room to room. You know, a potted plant gets to see a little more of the house. A potted plant might feel like it's more exciting, but it's not growing. And truthfully, truth be told, it's not producing anything. And God's not going to judge us based on how beautiful our leaves are. God's going to judge us based on the fruit we produce. But the only way we produce fruit is if we get our roots down. And when Cain was cursed to be a vagabond and a wanderer, he said the earth is going to be cursed and it will not yield to you. I wonder if the if if the fact that the earth would not produce for him was because he was a wanderer and a vagabond because he didn't stay somewhere long enough to just work that soil. Maybe he felt like his conscience was always pushing him and getting him on the run. And I've seen people that they don't put their roots down and they wander from place to place. And they're 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 like uh, if I could put it this way, I've met a few checkers Christians. They're hopping around from place to place until somebody crowns them king. If I don't get a title or position, I'm out of here. Well, this is not the church for you. God bless you. Because if I could take off my title, I would. I think titles, titles have killed more ministries than anything I know. And uh, you know, people were doing ministry until you gave them a title. You just gotta, you just gotta, you gotta forget about all that mess. But people jump around, jump around, jump around. That is the spirit of Cain. And church, in the last days, we've gotta be planted. We've got to be planted because when you're planted in his word, your roots can go down and it gets all the nutrients of the word. When you're planted, you know, I've got some potted plants, I've said, and man, my cats can knock over the potted plant. They're they're like tiny things. They can knock over a potted plant. They ain't knocking over that tree that's been planted. And there are people that, that you are so frustrated in your life and every little thing keeps knocking you over. I'll tell you why. You haven't put your roots into the ground. Because I promise you this, you put your roots in the ground, the storms can come, the winds can blow, it doesn't matter what happens, and you're going to just sway with it, and you're going to move with it, but you yourself will not be moved. Somebody lift up your hands all across this building. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us, God, to be planted in your word. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just feel after the Holy Ghost for a minute. God is calling us to be planted, church. Not to be a wanderer. That's a curse. That's a curse. Hallelujah. You need to just make it up in your mind. This is is where God has placed me. This is where God has put my family. I don't want to just go from here to there and there to here. I want to just plant myself until I can produce. I want to plant myself until I can produce. Amen. So God, God cursed Cain. He wanders. He goes off into the land of Nod. And if you have your Bibles, Genesis Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25. And this is when Adam and Eve probably thought it was all over. One son's dead. The other one doesn't even live with us anymore. He's gone. He just disappeared. Verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed... Me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain has slew. And set and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and they called his name Enos. And then men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. And uh, I want to talk about this for a moment. Satan may have presumed that Cain or Abel was going to be man's redeemer, and by destroying Abel and disqualifying Cain, the enemy plotted to annihilate the righteous line. However, there was another child born that filled Cain and Abel's place. When Adam was 130 years old, another son was born, and they named him Seth, which means substitute. When Seth, uh, With Seth, we begin to chart the bloodline of Jesus Christ through Seth's descendants. The Redeemer would come into the earth. You are seeing uh, the sacrifice, if you will, of Abel's blood. This is the Old Testament sacrificial system. And now there is a second son being born. You see a firstborn that is dying, and you see a secondborn that is coming into life through the through a new birth. Amen. What we are seeing is a New Testament example, or an old testament of an example of the new birth, that the old man dies. Amen. That Jesus died for us. And now there is a new birth available to us. And after the birth of Enos, amen, which is Seth's son. People became God conscious because from that moment, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. As men begin to call upon the name of the Lord, they offered blood sacrifices as well. Notice they continued on with what 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 their their brother, if you will, um, Abel had died doing, he died doing blood sacrifices. And now this righteous line of Seth, they continue not going the way of Cain, not going into what I think is best and what I think is right. They're going to follow the way of the Lord, and they're going to call upon the name of the Lord, and they're going to offer blood sacrifices according to the Old Testament sacrificial system that the Lord had instituted. Communication is now being restored between man and God. The Lord was pleased with those who came to him. Amen. When they brought appropriate sacrifices to cover their sins. Amen. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of enoch were 365 years and enoch walked with god and he was not for god took him out of all the millions of people who now lived on the earth there's been a multiplication you read your bible and you'll see generations multiplying 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 and now there's hundreds of thousands to millions of people that have come stemming from adam and eve and their world is beginning to grow and grow and grow. Populations are beginning to grow. And Enoch, Aben, is one of the first people that is decided that he is going to walk with God. There are only three that were labeled in these first dip- dispensations as being godly. Abel is described as being godly. Enoch is described as being godly. And Noah is being described as godly. Enoch is a descendant of Seth who was favored by God. Wickedness, we're going to find out in the next Bible study, was running rampant in the days of Enoch and in the days of Noah. And yet there was a righteous man by the name of Enoch, and later a righteous man by the name of Noah, that showed up and warned their generation, their wicked generation, of the coming judgment of the Lord. Because Enoch walked closely with the Lord and loved righteousness, he was translated the bible says he was transformed he was removed from this corrupt earth to be with god this is an old testament example of the rapture of the church a this is the first catching away that in the midst of a wicked and perverse society that god is going to take his church out of the world I want to tell you, you should be excited that if you are walking with God today, if God were to split the clouds tonight, that his church isn't going to stay here, but his church is going to be translated. I think we ought to give God praise for that. The Bible says to comfort one another with these words, that one day, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be caught up together to meet the Lord. I want to preach to somebody for a moment. The Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear from the eye. Amen. There's going to be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. I want to tell you, in that great day when Jesus catches his church away, brother, I'm not walking with God, uh, amen, just just so I can be different than the world. I'm walking with God that one day, amen, he'll see me righteous uh, in this wicked world uh, and he'll look down from heaven and say, I've got to get my church out of here. Oh, somebody ought to give God praise. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. But we've got an example from Enoch. The Bible says, Enoch, please God. You can read it le- later, but Hebrews, heroes of faith, Hebrews 11 and 5. We've read and quoted many times, Hebrews eleven six. 6 the verse that says without faith it's impossible to please god because those that come to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him but what was that verse written about it was written from the example of enoch verse 5 says by faith enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because god had translated him for he before his translation he had this testimony. Does anybody got a testimony in the house of the Lord? A testimony is one of those deals where you've been through a test and then you got the money. Praise God. Amen. You've been through the test and God brought you through. Amen. And you got something that you can tell that God was faithful, that God made it happen. That you, amen, it represents something. What testimony did Enoch have? The Bible says he pleased God. I got a question for everybody. What did Enoch do that pleased God? He walked with God. I fear we've made this way too complicated for some people. You got to do trigonometry just to be living for God. No, I want to tell you it's as simple as getting up in the morning and walking with God. You know how you're going to be righteous in a wicked world? You get up in the morning and you walk with God. You get up and you hear your coworkers cussing everybody out and you make it up in your mind, I'm not doing that. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk in this life, walk like everybody else, but in the middle of this walk in this life, I'm going to be walking with Jesus. Oh, somebody, I lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody lift up your voice and magnify the Lord. In fact, if you could stand all across the building, lift up your hands. You know what you're doing tonight? You're pleasing God by walking with God. it's as simple as walking with God get up and pray get up and read your Bible praise God it's it's not that con- get up and go to church man be a, be a worshiper be a giver love your brother love your enemy pray for those which despitefully use you forgive be merciful amen take what you learn from church and apply it to your daily life and don't and and, and also don't walk for God. Let me repeat that. Don't walk for God. That's religion. God don't need you to walk for Him. God, God can move just fine on His own. God doesn't need you. Well, I've got to. I've got to do these religious things so that so that uh, God doesn't disappear off the earth. God's not going to disappear off the earth. He's He's still moving whether you do or not. God's still God. Walk with God. Don't walk for God, walk with God. And if you walk with God, you're. the Bible says if we walk from the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, it's, it's real hard to sin when you're holding God's hand. It's real, it's real. You know, there's a lot of things that are tempting. A lot, it, there's some things that right now there's some people in this building, you're tempted about some things when no one's around, but you aren't so tempted when everybody's watching you. I want to tell you, God's watching you. Amen. And when you realize that I'm walking with God, and God's right there with me at all times, and and I, I don't want to displease Him. I want to please God. I want to walk by faith. Now, if you notice, like many people, it looked like I skipped part of the Bible. We went straight from Genesis chapter 4 to Genesis chapter 5. Well, that doesn't matter. That's just the genealogies. I rebuke that. Genealogies make all the difference. Read them. You'll find some cool stuff in there. I want to explain to you the names from Adam to Noah, following the lineage of Seth. Adam means man. Seth means appointed or substituted. Enoch, Enos or Enosh means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahalel means the blessed of God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah, his death shall bring. Lamech, despairing. Noah, comfort and rest. Let's read that in Hood English man is appointed mortal sorrow but the blessed the blessed god shall come down teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort and hope you are seeing the gospel message through the names of the first few men in the bible it was a promise and a prophecy There's coming a Messiah. Every son that was born, maybe Cain's the Messiah. wasn't Cain. Maybe Abel's the Messiah. It's not Abel. Maybe Seth, he's the substitute. He's the appointed one. They even get down to Noah. Maybe he's going to bring us comfort and rest. But all of this was pointing to Jesus. Lift up your hands and let's pray. I want to tell you the Messiah came. His name was Jesus. He gave comfort and rest. And if you're in this building, you've got comfort and rest in this house today. Amen. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got comfort and rest available to you today. And it came through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now all you got to do is walk with him. Now all you got to do to please him is walk with him. It's not that complicated. It's not that difficult. All he says is walk with me. And one day in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to take you out of this whole world. I wonder if we could come down to this altar and if we could pray. Come on, let's come down to this altar. Amen. Maybe right now you're struggling with your walk. I want to encourage you to come and make it up in your mind, Lord. I'm going to walk a little closer to you, Jesus. I'm just going to. I'm going to. I'm going to walk a little bit. I'm going to walk a little bit faster. I'm going to. I'm going to move a little bit closer to you. I'm not. I'm. I've been. I've been doing all sorts of things, but Lord, the only thing that's really going to be bring me comfort and rest is to walk with you. I Maybe mean, the only thing that's going to really make me righteous in a wicked world is if I walk with you. Come on, let's pray all across this building. He's coming back for a righteous church. He's coming back for a holy church. He's coming back for a pure church. He's coming back for a church that's walking with Him. Amen. But I want to tell you, God will give you rest to be able to walk with Him. God will give you strength to be able to walk with Him. God will encourage you to walk with Him. Make it up in your mind. Time I'm going to walk with God. Again, I'm going to please God praying, by walking with him.
1: You do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And then my heart, then when you speak. Somebody worship here in this building. Your faithfulness, me. From the rising sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness, me. Come on,
0: that's it. There's somebody in this building, you, you've been wandering, you haven't put your roots down, but I want to tell you, you don't have to wander when God you can walk. From
1: H H, you, can walk wander, away, you can walk with God, not wander. You can walk with God. Your remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow I'll remain stay yeah.
0: Somebody somebody pressing the Holy Ghost. I'm making it up in my mind. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. I
1: put my faith in I'm going to be planted Jesus. in Jesus.
0: Oh, that's it. Lift up your hands all across this building. Let's Come on. I don't want to be a wanderer. I want to be somebody who walks with God. I don't want to be like Cain. I want to be like Enoch. Come on. Somebody pray all across this building. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to wander around, never finding a place to put my roots, never never having intention. I I don't want to just wander through my life. I want to have intention. I want to move with God, walk with God. I want to walk in the Spirit.